Hello. Today has been an interesting day as far as getting things done. I woke up in a pretty big depressive funk, and I decided to work from home today. So if you hear tip-taps in the background, that is the sound of my dogs also wanting to help out with this podcast. And it's probably still some effects from the anniversary of losing my friend a year ago. And just general January seasonal affective disorder and just the unpredictability of depression. I mean, that's ultimately what makes depression depression, is it's not always tied to environmental or other kinds of really noticeable triggers, right? Everything can be going super well in your life, and your brain and body are like, yeah, nah, don't care. And you end up in a funk that can be a few hours, it can be a few days, it can be months. And that's one of the shittier aspects of depression, not to put too fine of a point on it. Um, But as often happens when I'm in this kind of funk, I end up doom scrolling, for lack of a better word, on my phone. And one of the major concerns in my field as an English professor over the last couple months has been chat GPT and how all of our students are going to have all of their papers written by AI and will never know the difference and the world as we know it is going to crumble, universities will fall to the ground, puppies will weep, all of these things. So there's been a lot of doomsaying and worry about ChatGPT. I was reading an NPR article about a young gentleman um, who is finishing up his undergraduate degree who has actually created an app to let you know if something has been generated by machine or human writing. I haven't played around with that yet, but I probably will in the future. But in my sense of spiraling nihilism, I decided to see if ChatGPT could write at least part of my DFL. Now, obviously, I'm not going to pass it off as my own work, that kind of a thing. But I wanted to see how much of my own effort over the last few weeks could have been replicated by an AI. And the answer is probably not going to surprise you. Suffice it to say, I proved to the AI that it was wrong. And it did apologize for being wrong, so I guess there's that. But it was a rather enlightening sort of an experiment. Because the first thing that I asked it is, what are solutions for college faculty experiencing mental health challenges and burnout? And it gave me seven things that you would exactly expect. It's been in every article, it's been in every conversation since we have, well, started discussing this topic, quite honestly. Number one, of course, is self-care, also known as it's your responsibility to make yourself feel better. Um, Professional support, always a good idea. Um, Therapy, counseling, etc. No questions about that. Time management, they... Again, this is another case of, it's your responsibility to make a world better, which to a degree I'm in sympathy with, but it too often becomes, if you don't like your life, you change it, and there are no other outside factors to be considered. 
Also, of course, they don't tell you how to manage your time better simply to do it. Um, they do highlight the support from colleagues and institutions, yes, and includes things such as sabbaticals, reduced teaching loads, or administrative support. Mental health training and awareness. So this is a very helpful thing, particularly with our students who are experiencing trauma. Work-life balance, and I quote, try to maintain a balance between work and personal life. That's it. So I find that tremendously helpful. So I think I'll just wake up tomorrow and be like, hmm, okay work, stop your mission creep. But number seven I did find relatively useful. Seek help early. Okay. And then I asked it, who was talking about this issue? Because I wanted to see if some of the big names I had found through my experience as an academic researcher, getting databases, uh, into databases, looking at books, going through Google Scholar, would be replicated by ChatGPT? And the answer is no. ChatGPT does kind of a crap job at literature review, at least in its current state. So I asked it who had been writing about this issue, and it came up with a few names. Um, John C. Cavanaugh, who in my Google searching appears to have written about this topic once for Inside Higher Ed. Um, I don't have that window open in front of me, but, um, and it seems like a very good, useful article about the pandemic and faculty. Um, but we'll come back to Mr. Cavanaugh shortly. Uh, mental health professionals such as Jeffrey Kotler, who in my secondary search seems to have written not a lot that has to do with college faculty, despite ChatGPT assuring me that was one of his areas of expertise. Um, he is a remarkably prolific uh, mental health therapist, however. And um, faculty members themselves, such as Mark Edmondson. And so they also suggest administrators and policymakers and journalists who write in higher education publications, um, including The Chronicle, Inside Higher Ed, and The Guardian. And Inside Higher Ed and The Chronicle seem to be where ChatGPT is pulling a lot of its resources. So I decided that I was going to push this a little bit further, and I looked up um, uh, Kavanaugh to see what people had said about him and or what he had written. I found the one article in, I think it was Inside Higher Ed. And then I asked ChatGPT what has he written about mental health and college faculty to see if it came up with any particular citations. And it gave me his credentials, President and CEO of the National Center for Higher Education Management Systems, which is a phrase or an organization that doesn't exactly fill my teacherly heart with joy. I don't enjoy being managed, quote-unquote. And it gave me a list of some of the things that he had spoken about. And so there are seven different things, but they all seem to come from that one article I found. So... And the chat also said, perhaps very interestingly for people who are considering it, using it for research, 
I couldn't find any specific book or paper he wrote about mental health in college faculty, but you can find some of his talks, keynote speeches, and presentations online about this topic, which I think is interesting for a couple reasons. One, it can claim to tell me what he talks about in the same breath telling me it can't find any of these specific documents. And then it tells me that many of his things are online, but it can't tell me what they are. And that seems like kind of an odd thing for something that is essentially the world's largest database. That it knows it's there, but it doesn't know what it is or where it is. Which, I suppose, is a little Heisenbergian of it, to coin a term that nobody ever had need of. So, I also decided to ask about Jeffrey Kotler. So, um, and again, it gave me his credentials, professor of counseling, a licensed therapist, written extensively about the importance of addressing mental health challenges in college faculty, including strategies for prevention and intervention. Some of the specific topics, again, it is talking about some of the things that he directly addressed. Now, here's where it gets interesting. ChatGP tells me, quote, he has also written a book called Beyond Burnout, helping teachers, nurses, therapists, and lawyers recover from stress and disillusionment, where he addresses the issue of burnout and mental health in professionals, including college faculty. I'm very excited about this, so I do what any good academic does. I promptly copy that title and put it into Google to see where this book is and how expensive it is, so I can decide if my college will buy it for me or if it's something I feel like buying. Well, interesting. Uh, of course, being Google, Amazon is the first link that comes up, and that's kind of where I wanted to go anyway. So I click on it, and I discover it's written by Carrie Chernice, or Chernice, I'm not quite sure on the pronunciation, in 1995. And I'm like, well, maybe there's a different book called Beyond Burnout by Kotler, and maybe it's just the subtitle that's inaccurate, and that's why we're having a disambiguation issue. Cool. So I go look. Jeffrey Kotler has never written anything called Beyond Burnout, subtitle notwithstanding. So I decide to ask ChatGPT who wrote Beyond Burnout, helping teachers, nurses, therapists, and lawyers recover from stress and disillusionment, end quote, question mark. And it replies to me, I apologize for any confusion. Book title is a book written by Jeffrey Kotler, a professor of counseling, and then it restates his credentials. I respond, that book seems to have been written by Carrie Chernis in 1995. ChatGPT responds, I apologize for the mistake. You are correct that book title was written by um, Dr. Chernis in 1995. And then it gives me a summary of the book. So, obviously, the most likely explanation is it's a data filing problem. That somehow it had created an incorrect link between an author and a book, and then was replicating that um, incorrect link between the two ideas. But I think this is going to be a valuable teaching and educational moment for students who 
are sort of thinking about what ChatGPT can and can't do for them. Because I'm certainly not the first person to highlight when ChatGPT has given objectively wrong information. It's a large data model, this is not surprising. But I think it is an interesting sort of a scenario where the information that you get is quite frankly exactly what you would predict and what isn't predictable is often inaccurate or misleading. And it is certainly not going to be at this point, and who knows what the future may hold, any kind of an alternative for even the most basic research, academic research strategies. Because, as I said, I found before I consulted ChatGPT, I think Zotero's up to 55 or 60 research items that I'm going through, and not one of them was supplied by ChatGPT, even though a lot of them are very timely, a number of them are open access, and obviously ChatGPT is limited by the data that it is given. I don't know what the parameters of that data might be, but it's not even scratching the surface of what an initial research hunt finds on a topic that is by no means particularly niche or hard to find information about. So I guess I feel a little more cheerful because it appears that my job as a writing teacher and an academic researcher is not in any particular danger from this, but I did want to provide this narrative of what I've learned from my experience with ChatGPT today. I may continue to ask it questions, but right now it seems better at giving me mocktail recipes for dry January than it does as a participant in my research process. So, thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you all soon.